G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week our sermon is on prayer and fasting and it focuses on Matthew chapter 6 beginning at the fifth verse, which says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only your Father, who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Well, the way you pray shapes who you are and who you become. We all pray, from the footy fan holding their breath as the deciding kiss is taken, to the builder calling on the Almighty when they bang their thumb with a hammer, to the family member waiting beside the bed of a loved one, waiting them for them to pass. We all pray. Prayer is as natural as breathing, and even if you wouldn't consider yourself religious, you pray. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 6, 5, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Notice Jesus doesn't say if, but when. How you pray shapes what your heart desires. Bishop Thomas Cranmer, the guy who wrote the prayer book we still use today in church, believed that what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. The mind doesn't direct the will. The mind is actually captive to what the will wants, and the will itself in turn is captive to what the heart wants. And prayer comes from the heart. This is why prayer is so important for Jesus. By extension, so is fasting, because when we give up one thing in order to focus on another, it intensifies our prayers. Jesus says, When you fast, do not look at somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Here Jesus divides the world into two sets of people, hypocrites and you that is, true disciples. Both pray and both fast, but only disciples do so in truth. True prayer matters to God because it shapes our lives. 
So today, Jesus is going to show us how to avoid hypocrisy and how to pray and fast in truth. So let's look at false prayer. Hypocrite is a word that comes up twice in this short passage. It's a word that's often used of Christians, but it's a word that Christ, I made up. It comes from the Greek word for actor. In the theatres at the time, actors would wear over-the-top masks, which reflected the character they were playing. Here, Jesus calls out people who pretend to be praying to God, when really, all they want is attention from others. It may seem strange today, when public prayer is rare, but at the time, people loved to make a show of their prayers to make themselves look good. Jesus calls this out, this need to be seen, and tells his disciples that people who pray just to be noticed by others have already got all their reward they can hope from from people. Some might have hoped that people would respect them for their religiosity and that God would bless them at the same time, like a win-win. But Jesus nips this in the bud. Jesus also criticizes something we still to do, do today. People babbling long repetitive prayers can save their breath. God isn't a heavenly vending machine who can be manipulated by word counts. We can't ear bash God hoping that our long prayers will force him to cave. This is false prayer. Now it sounds like Jesus is being critical, but his teaching on prayer is freeing. No longer do I have to worry if I pray enough or worry what people think of my prayer life. Instead, I can focus on the essence of prayer, which is just talking to God. What matters most to God is not how I pray, but why I pray and who I'm praying to. So let's have a think think about true prayer. Martin Luther taught that true prayer should be brief, frequent, and intense. In calling out showy prayers, Jesus isn't telling us never to pray in public or to pray for a certain amount of time. True prayer has much more to do about why you pray and who you pray to. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Prayer is the most wonderful gift. The fact that Jesus encourages us to address God as our Father should blow our minds. We have an open line to the most powerful person in the universe who loves us like a good father. No other faith dares to address God with this sort of intimacy. Jesus also reminds us that prayer brings rewards. Sometimes we can get a bit pious and think we shouldn't want to be rewarded. But Jesus explicitly says that we have a loving God who knows what we need and gives us exactly that. There are earthly rewards when we pray. Sometimes it's peace of mind. Sometimes it's getting exactly what you pray for, instantly or after a time. But Jesus is also speaking of heavenly rewards, spiritual treasure which is more real and lasting than any treasure in the here and now. True prayer is an honest conversation with a loving Father God who knows our every need. Jesus is so good that he even gives us a prayer to start us off. It's the Lord's Prayer. While this prayer deserves its own sermon, the brief rundown is that it contains what all true prayers should have. 
Adoration, praising our Abba Father who is in heaven. Contrition, asking for forgiveness, being honest about where we're at with God. Thanksgiving, thanking God for all he is and all he's done. Supplication, asking for things. Not our daily cake, but our daily bread. Knowing God already knows what we need, we pray that he would deliver. You may have noticed the prayer Jesus prays ends abruptly in verse 13 with, Deliver us from the evil one. When we pray this prayer in church, we add a closing statement. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. It seems the church added this ending soon after Matthew was written, but the earliest manuscripts don't have this ending. By ending with a prayer for deliverance from evil, we start by addressing God and end by reminding ourselves of our need for God's help with evil. We end on a note of dependence rather than sufficiency. This is a reminder that true prayer is constant, and we never outpray our need to pray again. Notice how vital forgiveness is in our prayers. It's in the Lord's Prayer, and then Jesus says, If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. As we saw last week, we can't expect God to forgive us if we can't forgive others. Forgiveness purifies our hearts and draws us closer into the love of the Father. While about 60% of Australians admit to praying occasionally, fasting is rare, even among practicing Christians. We like fast food, we don't like fasting. Still, fasting is making a bit of a comeback. Sadly, it's for the wrong reasons, and according to Jesus, it's false fasting. Fasting is a growing diet fad today, and as many of us eat ourselves to death, some are turning to drastic measures to stay skinny. The problem here is that it puts something that isn't God at the center of our minds, and it's our stomachs. The Old Testament only told people to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. Religious people in Jesus' day would fast twice a week, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. These days just happened to be market days, and the hypocrites would go around the markets bragging about the things they couldn't eat because they were fasting. People would put on sad faces, wear shabby clothing, and make a big show of their fasting to grab people's attention. Today, we're so obsessed by food and drink that we make a show of what we eat and drink, either drinking too much or too little, binging or starving ourselves to death. There are whole TV channels devoting to cooking, and some of us are so possessed by food that we take photos of our food to show our friends online. And this is why true fasting can be such a powerful tool to fuel prayer in 2023. I once went on a retreat with a bunch of other Christian leaders. When we were told that we were going to fast on one of the days, people lost their minds. Before and after the fast, that's all people could talk about. And Jesus' teaching on this subject fell by the wayside. In Matthew 6.17 he says, But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
Remember, it's not if, but when. Jesus says that fasting is an adventure that you can go on with just you and God secretly while going about your everyday life. Fasting is giving up something good to give you more time and brain space for God. The Puritans used to call this sort of fasting soul fattening. True fasting is about giving up food, drinks, not water, entertainment perhaps, or anything else you can safely put aside for a while to give you extra space in your life for God. Jesus encourages us to do this in such a way that no one around us will ever know, only God. True fasting is a way of saying, yes God, thank you for the food and all the good things you fill my life with, but you are better than these things. I'm ready to put them all aside because a relationship with you is so much better and more important than anything else. A.J. Swoboda, one of my favorite theologians, tells the story of an American church leader who went to Soviet Russia to see what the church was like there under communism. The Iron Curtain was down, the nation was atheist, and the church met in hiding. The man was hoping to see amazing things, but instead when he got home, he complained that when he visited churches, all I saw was old ladies praying. Only a few years later, statues of Stalin and Lenin, the gods of communism, had been ripped down. The prayers of little old ladies had crushed the largest and most oppressive empire the world has ever seen. Little old ladies who pray are secret revolutionaries who make tyrants look like turkeys and who change the world one prayer at a time. Friends, we need to beware of old ladies who pray because faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Prayer is the most powerful weapon we have. In just 10 days, we'll begin the season of Lent, which is traditionally a time of prayer and fasting, a time to deepen your relationships with God in the lead-up to Easter. Over the next 10 days, I want to challenge you to think about where your heart is at with God right now and how you might begin deepening that connection in the lead-up to Easter. Let's pray and fast in truth. Let's do whatever it takes to draw closer to Jesus because our need for God and the needs of this world are too great for us not to pray. The way you pray shapes who you are, who you become, and the world around you. There are enough religious hypocrites in the world. Let's not join their ranks with false prayers and false fasting. Let's commit to God through true prayer and true fasting that we might see God's kingdom come and God's will be done. Amen.